Who Wrote This Shit is a comedy podcast where three friends talk about bad books. Opinions are subjective, but if we hurt anyone's feelings, we apologize in advance. Also, there are times where we talk about graphic and explicit content. Listener discretion is advised. Juniper, from Hope. And, uh, <laughs> the, the book is called Dream Warrior, Dark Warrior Alliance Book 1 by Brenda Trim and Tammy Jolka. Uh, trigger warning, there is talk of eating disorders, extreme depression, and suicidal thoughts. So if you're not mentally healthy enough to, to listen to stuff like that, I would suggest don't listen to this episode. Also, trigger warning for uh, sexual assault. Also, trigger warning for bad plot. At least there was a plot. Kind of. I'm just, okay. Yeah, we'll we'll talk about it. <laughs> we'll talk about it. I will explain why I... Don't think this is the worst book we've ever read because we read Handbooks for Mortals, and that is the worst book I've ever read. Quite possibly. Yeah. You know it's bad when you have to buy yourself onto the New York Times bestseller list. (laughs) Which she did, allegedly. Yeah, you might want to add that. We don't have a lawyer, so we can't make accusations. Like, allegedly, she bought her way onto the New York Times bestsellers list. Allegedly. Well, Hope, do you want to take it over? Tell us how many stars this book okay, has. Okay, let's, let's talk about it. <laughs> Brenda Trim. She loves everything fantasy and paranormal. She's written over 40 books with plans for many more to come. Her series includes the best-selling Dark Warrior Alliance, Midlife Witchery. Hey, I like that. Mystical Midlife in Maine, The Hollow Rock Shifters, and Bramble's Edge Academy. Brenda creates worlds that feature dangerously handsome heroes and feisty heroines. With the help of popcorn and candy, she takes dragons, fairies, witches, vampires, and so much more, and brings them to life. She lives in Texas with her husband and three kids, who fuel not only her heart, but her life. If she's not writing, she's reading, traveling, or knee-deep in projects with her husband and five sisters. Catholic or Mormon. She encourages readers to dream big. If your dreams don't terrify and electrify you, then they aren't big enough. So she's written 36 books, and her co-author, Tammy Jolka, probably, is the co-author of 21 books in the best-selling series, The Dark Warrior Alliance, a world where you'll encounter sexy vampires, shifters, dragons, angels, and demons who are fighting for dominance while seeking that one mate who carries the other half of their soul. Man... 
It's an action-packed, edge-of-your-seat, sizzling hot addiction from page one. Her other works include five books in the Hollow Rock Shifters series, as well as several holiday novellas. Tammy resides in Texas with her best friend, she calls Hubby, and their two sons. <laughs> when she isn't reading or writing, she spends her time running at the lake, watching college football, go dogs! and going on crazy adventures with her family. As a breast cancer survivor, she has learned that each and every day is a gift and shouldn't be taken for granted. After all, there's nothing better than living a great story. She's done 29 books, and the two of them wrote Dark Warriors Alliance together, which makes up most of the books they've written. Yeah, when I um, was looking up drama surrounding this book series, there wasn't anything I found maybe one interview with both of them. And the only thing that was noteworthy was, I think it was Brenda, who the main female character, Ellie or Elsie? Elsie? Is based off of, yeah. And because her, Brenda's husband died. I think her first husband died. Or he was murdered. So that's all I found on on them. That's good. That's they're, fine. They're pretty, they're pretty, they're pretty quiet. <clears throat> yeah, good. I mean, fuck. <laughs> Probably cute little Mormons. Well, that would be why they make uh, these books with I, so much sex. I Fucking don't repressed. think Mormons. Catholic, whatever. I don't think they're Catholic either. Catholics would not write books like this. Neither they like sure as shit would, Aaron. <laughs> They would and not. I they accidentally seen, read one I book have one time. Your mother's giant garbage bag full of smut. So don't act like there isn't a market for this okay, in the Catholic she community. She reads them. She does not write them. Who do them. you think writes them? What's the dominant denomination of Christian in the country, Erin? What is it? What is it? What is it? Mathematically? None. Mathematically? <laughs> they write them. Hope. No good Catholic is going to be a smut writer. You said it had to they be a good Catholic. They will only be smut readers. They're not going to write something with sex in it. I should know. I have a book written by a Catholic that I accidentally bought because it sounded interesting. There's no sex. Oh, yeah. If there is book. no God, I'm not kidding. If there is no mention of God five times a page, minimum. It's not Catholic. They ain't writing it. Okay. You're wrong. That's but all let's I'm go saying. On. I am not wrong. <laughs> as someone who was Catholic, I can tell you I'm right. And as someone with eyes because that we... see the world, I can tell you you are incorrect. <laughs> no, I'm yeah. right. So the cover of you, Dream yeah. Warrior is uh, kind of what you would expect. It's literally just, like, the stereotypical um, smut dude, and he has a sword that's a very strange-looking sword. It's glowing, and I don't think he ever used a sword in the book. Also, this guy... He did not. He looks like a pirate. They took a pirate picture, put it on the book, and they were like, well, his shirt's partly off, so... Well, no, in the book... Yeah. In the book, he had uh, he had leather pants, <laughs> so they decided mm-hmm. to do a leather jacket. 
But that totally is like a pirate sword. Leather jackets. Also, the handle of the sword it it looks a little bit like a crown. Yeah, it does a tiny bit. See, the cover just looks like shitty Photoshop. So that's I'm see that's the thing is I look at this cover and I see a book that should not be rated 4.5 stars on Goodreads, but god damn it, it's rated 4.5 stars on Goodreads and I don't know why. But probably I... because the Catholics came in mass no. <laughs> to read it. No. No. Well, yeah. Yes. Look, there's not a lot I will defend about Catholicism, but I can tell you for 100% certainty they are not Catholic. They did not write... Catholic did not write this. They do not write sex. That's not what the issue is right now. The issue is all of the Catholics, <laughs> the repressed, <laughs> repressed Catholics that are coming in mass to read the book. That's fine. Yeah, that's what we're talking about. I just about. don't want the assumption that Catholics Aaron- write... Sex Mathematically, books. you're just incorrect. Like, aren't you? <laughs> aren't you studying incorrect. like statistics or something? Aren't you yes, like a data I analyst am. or something? Aaron, get your shit together. <laughs> oh my god. Who? Go to. Do you want an example? Go, go to, Let me get give a you an master's. Anne Rice. No. Your master's thesis on this. Also, Anne Rice writes a ton of smut, and she's been Catholic like three different no. times. I know. Here's you can tell what cycle she is in her religious beliefs because the last time she was done being Catholic, she wrote the vampire books, and there was a shit ton of sex in there. There was like borderline rape. However, uh, right. (laughs) Anyways, when she went back to being Catholic because the vampire books stopped making her money, she started writing religious books. One of them was about the story of Mary Magdalene. And yes, she was considered a whore. (laughs) A whore. (laughs) (laughs) But there's no sex in that book. And it's strictly religious. It's about her journey finding her faith and finding Jesus. It's absolutely ridiculous. And I don't recommend reading it. But she has those cycles, and that's how you can tell she's in her religious belief cycles or not. That's cool. Based on the type of book. Before my mom's church burnt down, I found an Anne Rice book in their library, and I thought it was really odd, being that it, it it's a Lutheran church. And inside the book, I, I looked, and I was like, isn't she a vampire? Like, famously a vampire author. And I checked it out, and on the inside... Someone had written, Anne Rice doesn't do vampire anymore. And so it was on the shelf. Even yeah. though I would I would venture a guess that her book wasn't uh like historically or biblically too accurate. Absolutely not. Um, all of this is anecdotal. I will say <laughs> that in on the cover photo the dude clearly has blue eyes, but the main character in the book has green eyes. Yeah, well, so did Harry Potter. Ooh. Okay. <laughs> okay, but they didn't want to force him to wear eye color contacts because they irritate his eyes and you can go blind like that. So. I don't care about Harry Potter. This is I a only... pirate. Dude, this they is took a in... stock photo of a pirate 
put a goddamn crown on his little sword thing and yeah. put shitty Photoshop Why? blue smoke in the back. Like, So he has a guard for his hand, which is the usual, like, the handles that comes out to the side. But he has a crown on top of it. Yeah, it's super bizarre. Why it's does, like... That doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Zero sense to me. Okay. Okay, but that's like the least of our worries. Let's move on. <laughs> All right. So the back of the book says the only thing standing between humans and the evil that would destroy them, the dark wires of the Terex realm. Vampire King Xander Terekesh <laughs> is domineering, <laughs> battle hardened, and seemingly unbreakable. Destroying demons is what he does, and what he does it, whoa. And he does does it very well. But when a mere mortal finds her way into the realm and quickly brings Xander to his knees, this cold commander will find himself fighting in a brand new war, the one for his heart. Fueled by rage and sadness, Elsie Hayes has nothing left to lose. Avenging her husband's vicious murder is her singular purpose until she's teleported to the Terex realm. Surrounded by violence, mallet... Mallet? Magic and passion, she's faced with an impossible decision. Embrace her fate and the enigmatic vampire king who desperately needs her, or plunge a stake in the heart of the only being who could deliver her from her grief once and for all. Dream Warrior is the debut novel of the epic Dark Warrior Alliance series. This... Enemies to lovers faded mate adventure delivers high heat, thrilling action, and satisfying happily ever after. Perfect for fans of J.R. Ward and Laurel K. Hamilton. First of all, know who those disagree two are. on that. Second of all, just to be fair to Juniper here, you put dark purple on top of black text, and I can't she read it with my glasses on. I can't read it with... She picked you the color. I just said purple. I didn't say dark purple. I When we were picking colors, this is from the first episode notes. When we were picking colors, I, you, I asked you, Juniper, I shared my screen, and I asked you, can you read that? Is that okay? Well, and you said, oh, yeah, I can read that just fine if I get real close to the computer screen. Well, uh, I think the problem is that my brain is not working right now. It is literally chemically imbalanced at the moment. And when I'm looking at these, the words change to different words. Can you see the smoke coming out where she's shorting? (laughs) It's like she's having a little electrical Mm -hmm. fire in there. Some blue smoke. Yeah, I I can see that. Okay, so should we talk about what happens in the book? Oh, God. Okay, so... Do we have to read the whole thing? (laughs) I have been given the feedback. That is... I have to disagree with you. Handbook for Mortals. Had a whole hell of a lot of fucking nothing. No, but we can, like, separate this, this into, like, three bullet points where it's, like, husband's look, dead, meets the vampire, PD in Seattle, um... There's a lot. And it's not my fault, it's the book's fault. <clears throat> so... I don't think they were using, um, <clears throat> punctuation correctly in 
There's in any of is this. Is this self-published? Do we know? Um, I believe. Yeah, I think the so. The first few books were okay, but the rest of the books were picked up by a publishing house, I believe. Gotta love that okay. smut rakes in the money. Just fucking. It does. It's a lot of money. We should all just a lot publish of... smut on Amazon and just see how much we can make. That's, that's a great experiment like for this show. about sexy firefighters, but they fight crime. Okay. <laughs> We're gonna move on. Murder on the fire line. Oh my and god. Murder okay. and passion on the fire line. Oh my god, let's do it. <laughs> I, I'm not writing a book with you two. <laughs> Well, Murder and Passion on the Fire Line, a smoke jumper story. Oh my god. Okay. So the book opens to Elsie's husband, Dalton, getting murdered by a skirm, which we learn is a demon and not a vampire. But that's later. And the murder has been attributed to the Twi. Kill Killer. Actually, no, it's just Twi Kill, which is a really bad name for um, a, a serial killer. All of the like acronyms and names in this book were like really unimaginative and just kind of cringy and awful. Yeah. So Kaylin is Elsie's sister and is currently staying with Elsie, who is a college student and is apparently majoring in psychology. And is working as a waitress. Yes, that's what happens when you major in psychology. Okay. Well, she hasn't graduated yet. Yeah, well, she's well, gonna stay a waitress she when she doesn't graduates. have much to look forward to, probably. That's not true. He sets up a fund for her to, specifically for her to work as the director of that fund. Oh, wow. We're jumping, like, super ahead. Wow. <laughs> I'm... <laughs> Keep going. Okay. So, Kaylin and Elsie go out to eat one day, and that's where Elsie sees Xander for the first time. They both start objectifying each other, and Xander embarrasses himself by groaning out loud when he sees Elsie for the first time, because she's not wearing a bra, and her nipples are poking through her shirt, and that's why he's groaning. (laughs) And he gets a boner. Don't forget the boner. Oh, yeah. The boner is real repressed by his tight leather pants. It's a softie. (laughs) (laughs) The book starts with a bang, guys. (laughs) You'd think the bang was... Okay, but I guess we shouldn't, like, really laugh... You'd think the bang was the, this like, part. Uh, the husband dying, but no, it's the soft dick in the pants. Yeah, the fact that they went into detail, and this is how I know for sure it ain't Catholic, is that it went into great detail from going from soft to extremely hard in the book. Absolutely not. And that's why I think it definitely was written by a Catholic. All that repression. It's not. All of that repression. <laughs> they don't write sex in stories when they repress. They just read sex stories. Anyways. 
Oh, yeah. The reason why they go to McDonald's is because Elsie can't keep anything down because she just vomits everything up. So she is extremely thin because she can't, she's not sleeping and she can't keep anything down after her husband died. Um, oh, no, I scrolled too far. Here we go. Uh, we learn that Elsie is part of a vampire hunting team called SOVA, which stands for Survivors of Vampire Attacks. Because why call it anything else? Um, Xander watches the news and recognizes Elsie from the news report about her husband's murder and orders two of his warriors, Orlando, who is a shifter, and Santiago, oh, I don't remember what he was supposed to be, um, to take over the case because they're detectives in the Seattle PD. Orlando and Xander meet Elsie the first time at the police department. Elsie doesn't tell them about vampires because she thinks that they'll think she's crazy. Xander goes to her house with Orlando and Santiago to talk about the case, and there's a new attraction between Xander and Elsie. Two of Xander's warriors become detectives on her case because Xander tells them to. They meet at her apartment. Elsie's sister is staying with her, and Xander officially meets Elsie. I think I just repeated myself because I forgot what happened next, so I just rewrote the same thing twice. <laughs> Um, they hit it off, but Elsie is still healing from losing her husband and feels guilty for her feelings. Her husband has been dead for a year, and everybody is trying to make her move on from her marriage with her husband, which seems like it was maybe five years. So they want her to move on a year after being with the guy for five years, and he got brutally murdered. Some people don't move on, even if their other died, like, not by murder. You know what they say? Um, You're over somebody when it's when it's time minus half or something like that. I can't fucking remember. Yeah. That's if you break up with them, Juniper. That's not if they get it's brutally murdered and their whole body gets ripped from the inside. It's grief no matter what. <laughs> yeah, no, it's grief. It's not the same level of grief. It's not. Absolutely not. It's all heartbreak. It's all grief. Okay. (laughs) I don't... I disagree. I I disrespectfully disagree with you, Juniper. I disagree on this one. (laughs) I know your brain isn't working very well right now, so... I'll let it slide. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Um, Xander and his warriors leave, and Xander reads Elsie's mind, and here's the acronym SOVA and the name Mac, who is a flake and a horrible patrol partner. We'll find out why later. Uh, That night, Xander goes into Elsie's dream, because that's another of his powers, to learn more about SOVA and Mac. Instead, he walks in on them. He walks in and sees... Uh, her having dream sex with him. And then he replaces his dream self and finds out that she is his fated mate. Uh, a fated mate hasn't happened for about 700 years when the war between demons and supernatural monsters started. 
So he starts watching her because now she's a faded mate. And she goes onto her first patrol. She gets pretty fucked up by the vampires because she's not well trained and Mac is a piece of shit patrol partner because she left her to her own devices and she sucks. Um, the second patrol, Mac doesn't even show up, completely bails on Elsie in the woods to go patrol and she almost dies because she runs into more demons or skirns. And skirms are humans turned into blood-sucking demons, and they're turned by demons. Uh, and then vampires are born and not made, so in this world, vampires don't even suck human blood to kill them. It's, they, they have volunteers, I guess. I don't know. They didn't really go into it. Uh, the two warriors tell Elsie that her husband's killer is dead. And the skirm was killed sometime after her husband's death. Uh, Xander takes Elsie to his mansion to keep her safe. And then they do a whole bunch of will they, won't they. Xander tells Elsie that he's a vampire and tells her about the skirms and whatnot. And then a couple weeks later, it's Elsie's graduation. She goes out to the nightclub. Uh, and that's where we meet the demon who has been building a skirm army. And there is a fae that is helping them. Uh, fae are supposed to be neutral. But this far, this one is fucking one of the demons. And I think the demon's name was Alistair. But I don't remember. I don't remember any of this shit. <laughs> I'm glad I wrote it down. Um, after a couple weeks, she gets kidnapped from her workplace by the demon. Uh, because Xander, knowing that psychology isn't going to make you money, made her her own fundraiser for people who have lost their partners. And she runs that. And then she does like psychological evaluations on people and whether she can give them money or not. Uh, her own fundraiser? Yeah. Um, like, do you, it, NGO? Non, like a... Yeah. Like, no one's um, profit. So, the, so she gets kidnapped by the demon. And the vampire working on the inside is a female vampire that has been screwing Xander for the last 200 years. It was mad that Xander left her for the human. Again, Elsie gets pretty fucked up. In fact, she almost dies. <sighs> this is the ending really, really made me hate this book. Um... Xander and his gang finds Elsie, and he kills the female vampire, and the demon gets away. The vampires give Elsie their blood. She comes back to life and is now the first and only vampire hybrid. She also has their powers. Elsie and Xander get married, and their love is blessed by the goddess Morgana. End of book one. See, at the end of the book, I was just like, this is a smuttier version of Twilight in one book like the entire series of twilight in one book which means it should have been one book if it was going to be written at all yeah i just <laughs> find the whole um 
the vampire falling for a weak human lady is just it's been done to death and like in my personal opinion if you're gonna do that kill off the lady like there is zero reason why she has to be the vampire's like official baggage he has to drag around and protect all the time and then it's always like oh well she got in a fight and she almost died but so-and-so came along vampire man came and saved her and then they fucked and like it's it's just so played out it's a bit of a cop-out We've seen it again and again, and I I also have... I take issue with books like this, weirdly written by women. They have, like, this, <laughs> this damsel in distress, internalized misogyny fantasy in their head about women having to be saved by super strong vampire, super sexy men. And for the entire book... You're sitting there like, why hasn't she died yet? Why hasn't she died yet? Why hasn't she died yet? Should have just died. <laughs> Here, Here's where I'm not as mad at this book as I think you are, Hope. And that's because, and I'm going to compare this to Twilight. In Twilight, Bella does nothing. She literally does nothing. And the only one thing she does in the book is in the vision at the end of the book series, which is the the worst fucking ending I've ever seen or read. And she doesn't, like, do anything. She just sits and she cries. But what I like about Elsie is, like, she's not just sitting and she's not just crying, asking why no one's saving her. Like, she kind of takes her fate in her own hands. Like, she... Finishes graduating. She starts, she joins this group called the Survivor of Vampire Attacks. And she trains and she learns how to fight. Granted, she's not as strong as a vampire. But that's what two people are for. To, like, help even the odds just a little bit. But she she doesn't just stand there asking to be saved. Like, she saved herself in the first fight. Uh, she kind of saved herself in the second fight, but some other vampires came and helped. And then she held her own when the demons came, and then she got kidnapped. But, you know, she didn't really give up in the end. Like, she wasn't, like, waiting for him to save her or anything. You See, know? here's my issue. She wasn't just... <laughs> here's my issue with that. I that is all good and well and I would not have an issue with that and be on the same side if I actually thought that was true. I think that what you're talking about if they actually wanted to do that in the book, they should have actually done that in the book because half of the shit that happens is just like pseudo I have everything covered. I'm a badass. I'm doing all this stuff. Literally everything that happens to her, she either just barely gets away from and has to be saved, or with the uh, fun, 
thing that she has. The non-for-profit. The non-for-profit or whatever. (laughs) I mean, she was kind of given that by Xander. Nothing that she's doing is actually because she did it herself. Did it herself. See, and that's the thing. That's the thing. I'm not... I'm not saying she's, like, the perfect example of, like, uh, of a heroine where she actually, like, does stuff for herself. I'm just saying they could have just done another Bella Swan to where the whole book, and I'll talk about how I would have written the book differently, if she, like, they could have just written her just, like, sitting and crying and, like, I guess just putting Bella in her situation and then moping and brooding and asking, why doesn't this guy like me? Or why did Edward dub me? Okay. You know? But they but let's But they did a little better than for, that. Let's That's forget all I'm about saying. the Twilight thing. Like we've made the comparison. It's there. They basically ripped it off but like tried to like spin it different. There, fine. But so here's the thing. If you want to make a strong female lead then make a strong female lead. There's no reason why she has to get bailed out all the time by Mr. Sexy Pants with the leather dong. True. Like the halfy. So if you want a strong female lead, which maybe they were trying to do, then make the female lead strong. You don't have to have... Basically, for the entire book, they had this vampire bailing her out of every situation... Or handing everything to her. By... Le- I'm gonna take it there. By a fucking man, okay? And... <laughs> and so, like... Even if she isn't... The Bella Swan type... So fucking what? She could have been strong. So could have Bella. If she wasn't written by a Mormon fangirling over... What was she fangirling over? Was I, it don't, a, I don't know. Wasn't I- it... No, Fifty Shades of Grey was oh, the okay. fangirl yeah, over that. Twilight. You're getting your authors yeah, mixed, mixed up. up. Anyway, just make the female lead strong. That's all you have to do. Right. You don't have to have a man. And you I don't agree. have to have a man handing her everything for the entire book because then it undermines every bit of strength that you've been trying to give her. So that's where I think it fails because they tried to make this female lead strong and independent, but at every turn, she had to get help. It didn't have to be yeah. that way. They made it that way. Internalized misogyny. I, I think, I think what a lot of authors have a problem with is there is a, a deep-rooted belief that every woman needs a man, Right? So it feels, I don't know, when an author tries to write a strong female lead, they always try to make her physically strong, you know, like give her some kind of attribute that kind of makes her, you know, not like weak like a normal woman, but you know, something a little bit stronger. But then, but then they're like, well, if I make her too strong, she's not vulnerable enough. And a strong woman doesn't really attract a man. Because all a man wants to do is protect a woman. So I think the misogyny 
goes both ways where the guy character is also not like a strong independent guy either. You know what I mean? Like he feels he has to protect her instead of just like, hey, you do your own thing. Like I'll be here. You let me know. You do your thing. I think what you're trying to say is that it all falls under the umbrella of misogyny, right? Because I Yes. think saying Yeah. it goes both ways implies that somehow a Mm woman -hmm. is being misogynistic to a dude or something like that. It's all No, it interconnected goes... under Yeah. that web of misogyny. Right, where, like, a woman is expected to be extremely vulnerable, and a man is expected to be extremely strong and protective. And, and it's like... But you can have two strong characters that are neither. Like, I, I want to shoot... One big issue I did have is, like, it, it felt like he didn't trust her. Not that he didn't have good reason, but it felt like he didn't trust her to, like, like do things. Like, when she was waitressing and he... Um, this did make me mad. When she was waitressing and he was one of her customers, he left her, like... couple thousand dollar tip for her I thought that was bizarre. yeah like Like, we get it, you're rich. I Pay your taxes. <laughs> he's supernatural Well, he doesn't have also, to if you were if you were that waitress and you saw how much that you got of a tip and you're like this dude that I have this weird relationship with, not romantic at the time, but like there's a connection Yeah. and they know each other and they hang out, which also is a fucking bizarre thing that they were doing the entire time. It just sounds like he's soliciting sex. Yeah. Uh, but he, It sounds like... he leaves her this giant tip. How fucking uncomfortable would you be if a dude that you know and see left you that giant tip? And then imagine if it was like a no-tipping institution and they were like, well, I guess we'll pool this thousands of dollars to everybody Yeah. and you're just sitting there like super pissed off because this dude left you <laughs> a couple thousand dollars and now everybody's getting in but on then it. it, you know, it can also kind of like put her in danger too because of like someone found like it's easy to get bugged, especially where she was living in Seattle, where she now has like a couple grand on her. Like, you don't think someone doesn't know that and they're not going to be like waiting for her in the alleyway and beat her up and take her money. Here's the other thing that I don't like about this book, and I kind of, this is also a problem that I have with mainstream religion. So the idea of, um, oh god, it was in my head and now I can't. Oh my god, I see the smoke. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, everything's just so fuzzy in my head right so, now. Uh, fucking, um, well, you, come okay, back to me, come can back I tell to you me. how I would have structured this first book? What I would have done differently? <laughs> I want to hear all about Okay, it. so here's, I would have kept the husband dying because that's great motivation, right? I love it when a man dies. I love it when any character dies, honestly, especially <laughs> if it's, like, overly gruesome, But especially unnecessarily the man. <laughs> gruesome. 
And it's like, get and it! And it's gonna be the main character, so everyone's devastated. I love yes. that. I, I love, love that. It. Remember when I had that time as a kid where every story I wrote, the main character died at the end? Yeah, that's why I stopped reading them. You... <laughs> God, I was a bleak little kid. You were... There was something wrong with you mentally. And then the princess dove off the side of a cliff. <laughs> so, here's... here. I would have kept the husband dying. But I would have kept the... I, but I would have made the story about her finding who killed her husband. Like, she doesn't know about vampires. Why the fuck would she, you know? If they're living in this world where... No one knows about vampires, but somehow they know about vampires. And, and you know, she's trying to find answers. And, and then she meets up with, like, new... And then these new detectives get put on her case. She doesn't know why. So yeah. she starts talking to them, and she starts bugging them. And then while they're trying to investigate, she's, like, hindering their investigation because she wants to know what happened to her husband. And Xander can be one of the fucking detectives. And that's a much more natural way to have the characters meet. And then... Then him getting a stiffy while she walks around without a bra? Yes! In a McDonald's <laughs> where there's children! You know what? I try my best to be fully attracted to an erect man while I'm at a playground. <laughs> I, my favorite line in, in the whole book, okay, my two favorite words was quivering nipples. <laughs> so killed me. <laughs> Fucking killed me. Can we just talk about how they fully wrote this book like a man would? Yeah. Like, you yeah. know all of those funny videos where they're, like, a man writing a woman, and then it talks about, like, nipples being afraid or excited or something mm -hmm. like that? That's how I felt. I can tell That's you. How I felt. Listen. I had to ask David if he knew what quivering nipples meant, and he never looked so Little. disgusted with me before. <laughs> He's like, go little to bed. Little shittery nipples, you know? They're a little shy. They're quivering. I, it doesn't have, like, a... It doesn't have a positive connotation It really to doesn't, it. because quivering is like, oh, I'm scared, and I'm quivering in a corner trying to yeah. hide. My... Yeah. I don't know any nipples that quiver. Okay, anyways, let me finish real quick. I'm almost done. Okay. So throughout the process of them trying to find out who killed her husband, you know, they, they're getting, like, clues and stuff, and if you know how to write a good mystery... You can plant the clues in the book pretty well. And then, you know, they, she, oh, how did I end it? Like, they end it by finding the, the guy that killed her husband, and then she gets that revenge filled. Like, she gets to kill him, you know? Like, she gets to take... Yeah, murders him. Right. Cold-blooded. Exactly. She kills yeah. the killer. And then, and then, because... What they did was they took, like, a really simple story, and they, they do the thing with, that Supernatural does sometimes that annoys me, and I know it's going to make people angry, where they go too big too fast. You know what I mean? Before it was just, like, a demon guy, 
But throughout the first story, you can slowly start building up the next story where maybe you start to introduce the idea like a demon might be in charge. And then the third story, you can start talking about how the demon wants to set, you know, Lucifer free and then just kind of like slowly build up the, the storyline. So it's not like husband dead, skirm, vampire, demon, top level demon in, in like the first book. Like, just kind of, like, breaking it out so, like, you're building the anticipation. You're building the storyline. You're giving yourself more time to build this world versus this. Well, I feel like it was just... Well, okay, first of all, let me go back. Mm -hmm. Instead of clutching my pearls from now on, I will just gasp and say, Oh, my quivering nipples. <laughs> um... Secondly, I almost spit out my cider. <laughs> Secondly, hold my quivering I feel nipples. Like doing it that way makes a lot more sense because the way that they did it in this book just kept it was like they just kept reaching in and being like, see that tiny little bit of power we gave you? Gone. We're taking that away. Yeah. We're taking that away you don't get it <laughs> like for the entire book they would be like oh you wanted to find the killer no he's already dead yeah and that's what was so upsetting because it's like i don't care about what demons like i want to know who killed her husband like what killed her husband more than anything i would have had her drop out of yeah. college you know i would have like had her isolated from her family because she's lost she's broken like, she's trying to find her way back, and, and she can't until she finds her husband's killer. Because, honestly, I've never had a husband yeah, been killed before. I don't know if that's how it works, but <laughs> but I just trying to think, like, being that kind of lost. Like, if David was murdered, I would love to be personally in charge of drawing and quartering the guy that killed David and then burying him in my back hill. Yeah. Like, to me, that would vindicate my feelings. And, like, and I know they say, like, oh, you know, revenge doesn't, like, make you feel better. Like, it makes you, le like, emptier and stuff like that. Sometimes no, it not does. true. I think hope's right. <laughs> Sometimes it does. But maybe this is, like, like she... It's kind of like this cathartic release for her. Like, she has him almost dead, and she she gets to make the decision if he lives or if he dies. And then what does she choose in the end? You know what I mean? Yeah. So, like, giving her yeah. that, that release and that closure. Because, like, once they're like, oh, yeah, the scourge that killed your husband, he's dead. It's like her husband never existed. Like, that whole scenario just never existed after that. And, so, and, yep. and, you know, through the process of, like, trying to find the killer, like, she starts to slowly fall in love with Xander. You know, she has that guilty feeling and stuff in that hole, but, you know, he's slowly filling it up, making her, like, feel again, you know, just, you know. Yeah, with his dick, yeah. Well, it'd be a lot more classier than with his first very soft, but then very hard dick when he's looking at her quivering nipples. Um, 
It's very tight leather pants. <laughs> it's very tight leather pants. I know that vampires have really good eyesight and hearing and all that shit, but, like, what exactly is a quivering nipple, and how do they know? It probably screams. No, 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 no. No, 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 no. The female, <laughs> the female said her nipples were quivering. Xander did not make that, did not make the that statement. Elsie was like, my yeah. nipples are quivering when I look at him. And it's like. I've never had that feeling. I don't know what, I that, don't know what that means. I don't know what that means. Quivering, obviously. It means nothing. If anybody. It's filler. It's It means fluff. they needed a fucking editor. If anyone out there has ever felt quivering nipples, please email us Let at us girlsbook3 know. at gmail.com. We want to know, do you know what quivering nipples mean? So what I was trying to say before, oh, and I forgot, um, I feel like in the in all of these, I feel like it's a genre where, like, well, it is a genre. You have, like, these fucking, like, faded mates and shit, and, like, all these werewolf and vampire and all of those types of stories. And I feel like, at least to me, whenever you have this sort of, like, faded mate shit, it always kind of sidesteps around free will. Can I, can I ask, are you done? I guess, Oh, if you, I can wait until you're done. Uh, (laughs) oh, fuck me, I'm sorry, Juniper. It's the the same issue I have with religion. (laughs) Sorry. Like, the, so, nobody actually has free will in these stories. Can I, can I also say, I hate, I hate books that perpetuate the perfect partner. Like, the perfect person is out there. You just gotta go fall in their lap in McDonald's, you know? Like, like, it's, and it's like, there's, there's, it's like setting your expectations high when you when you go out and then all of a sudden you have no more expectations because they don't exist. This perfect person does not exist. They never have, they never will. And so I hate I hate books. You know I think, what I mean? Um yes. And I I also hate that because typically when it's a faded match especially in these like fantasy sci-fi like trilogies i don't want to call it an epic because that usually implies that it's good but in these genres it usually means that there's this sad little female whose life was miserable before this big strong werewolf or big strong vampire man came into it and protected her gave her a job and shit and then like typically there's always another side character that's just way better than the main character that's a faded mate with that person and the whole time you're reading it you're like I cannot believe that you guys are gonna act like this person over here doesn't exist he clearly has a big boner for her yeah. and he's so much nicer 
I mean, he may be human, may be human, but he's so much nicer. But because it's like a, quote, faded match, they have to go with the shitty, possessive misogynist. Yeah, and it's like, I liked Orlando, who has a thing for Elsie, a lot more than I liked Xander. I was just going to bring that up because (laughs) Orlando um, also ended up kind of like having a faded mate thing with her sister. No, that was the doctor. The doctor that can heal. She has a faded mate with her sister. I think Orlando's going to have a faded mate with Mac. Because Mac's a girl. And they don't do same, <laughs> same, same sex partners in these books. That'd right. make it more interesting. Why would they do that? I right. It would draw in more people, uh, widen your audience. But why? Why would you do that? Yeah. Well, I just thought it was very. Um, I was just when the doctor found out that he was attracted to her sister. And I was like, oh, Jesus Christ, (laughs) we're going to have another one of these faded mate bullshit things. The whole book series, I think, is about faded mates. I was like, of fucking course it's her sister. (laughs) Another human. Well, it's also... (laughs) Come on. It's also like her sister is engaged to this guy, right? But she's extremely attracted to this doctor guy. But it's yeah, and and I think well, it's... that's basically what faded mate is, right? You're just attracted to them. You have no idea why. You have it's basically just all of your hormones coming together and smashing together and disgusting um, pheromones doing wacky shit. Well, so my thing with those stories is that um, once you have this faded mate and the other person who's much nicer and better in every way, more charismatic, likes the character, the main character better, she likes him just fine. Once they have that um, faded mate thing, then the side character also has to do like a faded mate kind of thing to sort of curb everyone's anger about the fact that the male um, love interest that they wanted to be with that person has been axed by a dude in tight pants. Or, or, and then they turn that character into a shitty, possessive, misogynistic character because he found his fate or in just evil. They don't keep the yeah. personality the same. And, and it drives me, like, a lot of these books, they have the main characters hate each other. And then and then they, their, their hate turns into attraction. When in reality, you tend to not fall in love with the person that you, intent- that you initially hate when you first meet them. I mean, I do love a good enemies to lovers. That, it's, it's good when it's done right. Like, if you give them time, you know, you, you drop hints here and there where where they start to, like, start to slowly, like, fall for each other and stuff like that. Instead of, like, they... I'm gonna say it. I'm gonna say it north and south. 
North, North and, and South. South. Oh my God. Yeah. I love <laughs> so That is the most perfect example, Juniper. Yes. I know. Because, I know. because uh, it's so great. The book is really good. I love it. The miniseries is even better. But it's like, like John Thornton and Margaret, they they hate each other in the beginning, but he starts to slowly fall for her because she's this like independent thinking woman. And then and then he like proposes and she's like, I can't marry you because I, I don't love you. And then he like goes away to like leave her alone because he rejected her. But then she started starts to slowly like miss him and then she starts to like make interactions with him because she wants to like talk to him again. And then they just slowly fall in love oh, the train scene. Oh my god. So good. <laughs> I love it. With the yellow rose. And he's like, are you coming home with me? And she just has her suitcase and she's like, yeah. <laughs> it's so good. I'm sorry. But yes, Juniper. North and South is the perfect example from enemies to lovers. Yes. yes. Pride and Prejudice is not. I don't care what any person says. Pride and Prejudice sucks. And I will leave that there oh. on the table. It's overdone. It, so many adaptations. I like Emma better, personally. Emma's, I like, Emma's uh, good. That BBC miniseries where a woman somehow went in the book and then had to, like... Oh, back in Austin? Figure shit out. Yeah. That's a good... That's that's a good one, too. I do like that. Um, but if you want to read a great book, uh, Jane Eyre has some romance, has a little bit of horror... Real gothic, real cool. Jane Eyre is so good, and that's another really good example. Because they don't like each other in the beginning. Well, I guess he likes her okay. But she's, like, not fond of him. You know? Uh, Well, am I getting them mixed up? I think they were pretty neutral. Okay. I think they were pretty... Like, he was amused by her. Yeah. And she was sort of, like... Oh God! Somebody's talking. Please pay attention to me. And she's like clever and quick-witted and a tiny little person. So and and yeah, the horror aspects are really good in that book, yeah. and as well as I remember that book scaring the yes. shit out of me when I was a kid. Watch the miniseries. Don't fucking watch the film adaptations. They're absolute garbage. They don't capture one the relationship, and two, they don't capture the horror that goes on in that house. Like I've seen every adaptation of it. Yeah, and I love every single one. I'm not gonna I don't, lie. I like. I'm such a slut for Jane Eyre. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't the, matter. The, the mini, the mini series. I feel like encapsulates everything. I will say the PBS yes. mini series or BBC mini series was on point. Yes, it, to me that one was the best one. Everything else can just go up in flames. You had a point, Hope. I think. Did I? I? What was I saying? Enemies to lovers. Well, while we're uh, gushing about books we love. 
I don't know. Okay. Well, oh, because I said something like how most people who start off hating each other tend to not fall in love with each other. Oh, I was just saying that a good enemies to lovers is, a good, you know, yeah. it's a great trope that I enjoy very much. It, I do, I also enjoy it when it's done right. But this one was not done right. Or at all. Was not done. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. Yeah, it just wasn't very fun, because the whole time I just thought, man, this was written by a woman, and that... Women. That really sucks. Women. It just super sucks, because it feels like like you should do better than that. Yeah. And so I think, I think that was our... Oh, I did want to make some comparisons to the handbook for mortals. One, this these two authors did not switch from first person to third person to first person to third person to first person to third person, which I greatly appreciate. They only stuck to third person, which is honestly the best way to go in writing a story if you have multiple perspectives. And two, she wasn't deciding between two men for the majority of the book, you know? Yeah. And and stuff kind of happened. That's all I have. That's all the good points I have for this. Not the worst book I've read. Yeah. Definitely not the best. Stuff kind of happened. Yeah. If, I mean, it was like halfway halfway happened i mean it was readable i finished it without asking you guys if we could read something else and then you forced me to finish reading it like you did with the mm -hmm. handbook for mortals book i hate it yeah that. it's a real bad book yeah um so i guess that was our overall impression do we have any favorite quotes mine is quivering nipples and None of you guys can copy me. <laughs> I don't have anything. Yeah, I hate no, it at I all. just I listened to the audio, so Oh, oh god. <laughs> <laughs> I have never listened to You kick it up to like one point five speed. <laughs> <laughs> and um the audiobook, like, I did not think that the narrator was good at all, and... Did did they make sick sounds in the audiobook? Because I've never listened to an audiobook for, for sex books. No. Okay. That's not what they do. Okay. That's not what they nope, do. Nope, that's good. But, um, I do have to wonder what they're doing when they're in their, like, little studios, just, like, reading the little smutty parts of the book. They're like, I'm getting paid ten like, bucks for this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, but I do think that's a problem with, like, self-published books, where, like, sometimes the author will do the audiobook part, or, um, like, just not as well-versed narrators, so I was, like, I was trying to listen to, um, oh god, what's it called? The Arabian Nights knockoff. Oh. 
I can't remember, but it was, I, I'm pretty sure it was the author that was reading it, and it was so over the top and bad that I, I, I sped it up because she was speaking so slowly. I was like, I cannot handle this. And I was on a car ride back from California. Like I had the time, <laughs> but I could not do it. And so I sped it up and then I was like, this still sucks <laughs> and had to move on. I should narrate things. I'd be so good at you it. You would be. I oh. I would promote oh. your dream, Hope. If I ever write a novel, I'll have you read it. Yay. And I'll pay you ten bucks for it. Damn it. <laughs> no. My time is worth more than that. You can, if you pay me ten bucks for it, you'll get ten bucks worth of a narration. <laughs> Fine. Ten fifty. Does that work? <laughs> um... My time's more precious than that. <laughs> so, do you recommend this book? No. If you like um, this type of smut, like, I think most people when they read stuff like this, they don't care about the actual storyline. They want to get to the sex scenes. Yeah, they didn't have sex till they got married, though. And even then, the sex scene wasn't that great. They definitely had erotic um, parts, and, yeah. like, they definitely had sex in her dream. Yeah, but then when they had, like, real-life sex, it was, like, not great. Honestly, I skipped the last chapter. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I didn't okay, read listen, it because it was boring. Listen to, um... Listen to this quote okay. from their meeting. Okay. <laughs> An unbearable ache bloomed in her core, followed by a strange pull. She wanted to perform sexual acts <laughs> with this man that were illegal in some states. A wanton sex fiend had just awoken, wanting this strange sensual man, and it was highly unsettling. And then, here's a good one. Her eyes widened when she noticed he was hard everywhere. Oh wow, his leather pants left a little to the imagination. One word ran across her mind. Huge. She felt that desire and pull once again. Oh my god. I feel <laughs> nauseous after hearing that. Uh... <laughs> But no. Like, he has a boner in the middle of a burrito or No, McDonald's, Hope. Everyone gets boners at McDonald's. Come on now. Uh, I will say an actual uh... issue that this book had was they didn't introduce characters very well. Absolutely not. They did um, not know. You couldn't... You. For most of these characters, I thought they were all the same character. And there's a lot to remember. I highlighted them when a new character was introduced. There were like 23 new characters in this book. And I was like, yeah. can you just introduce me to like the three most important characters? And then mm -hmm. just and then just widen the purview as the books go on. You know, you don't need to like dump them all in my lap. Right, and I mean that's the that's the problem that I had with Orlando and the Doctor. I 
they were basically the same character. Yeah. Like, I couldn't tell either one of them apart unless they were, like, Orlando and the Doctor. <laughs> like, I couldn't tell any of them apart. Like, the entire book, the only character that I actually knew was Xander, Elsie, and... Orlando. And Orlando. But I thought Orlando was the Doctor, or literally any other character that they introduced. Yeah. There is no background. It was so quick. There's just no way to follow anything. Yeah, they should have just had Xander and Orlando be the two detectives, and then Elsie just, you know, follows them along on their investigation, sometimes hinders them. You know, sometimes she finds something, you know, to... Just to even the playing field of her, like, hindering a d- police investigation. But, you know, just so that it it felt like they were trying to world, like, build their world. And, and they just, like, went too big. Like, in the first book. Like, if, if they had just started, um, again, I'm going to compare it to Supernatural, because I think Supernatural does this well enough where, like, well, the first five seasons, where they start with ghosts and spirits in the first season, and then they slowly amp it up in the second season with, like, demons. And then there's, well, there's, like, a Wendigo in season one, I think. And, you but, you know, they're sticking with the evil spirits and stuff. And then it's so, the next season is more, like, demons and stuff. And then, and then, you know, they introduce the whole apocalypse thing where then they start introducing angels and because if demons exist angels have to exist and if angels exist god has to exist right and so they just build it up until until like the end of season five where it should have ended but that's just me but you know like they slowly build the world they don't just like bomb it in the first episode like here's all these monsters that can exist within this world because you don't know all the monsters. Yeah. And they just, I just feel like that's what they did. They just dropped the world bomb on us and they expected us to remember all the politics because there are politics with the Fae and the, the demons. Like, there's rules, there's regulations. And it's like, I don't remember any of that. Or why that's important. What's the name of our podcast? Who wrote this shit? <laughs> Juniper. Juniper, what the fuck? <laughs> I was getting, I don't know, I was getting the um, email and the podcast name messed up for some reason. <laughs> oh my god. Okay. So none of us recommend this book. Hope, do you want to tell us no. what book we're reading next because you picked it? Um, is it The Pride and Promiscuity? No, have you guys no. received Sleep the- Sleep Experiment? What? Well, you said you wanted to read that one next. Did you guys receive yeah, your- No, it's a good one. It's a good horror book. I wanted to read it next because it's good. Oh. <laughs> Well, did you guys receive your Pride and Promiscuity books then? You have it, right? I have it. I can yeah. read it after she finishes. Okay, I think I'm almost done with it. 
It's not very good. Yeah, so our next one is going to be Pride and Promiscuity. Um, everybody go read The Sleep Experiment by Jeremy Bates. He's actually a really great horror author. And if you remember the um, viral creepypasta sleep, Russian sleep experiment, it's like that. So if you enjoyed that. So I'm not reading that. Jeremy Bates. You didn't like it? I don't, no, I don't like salad fingers. We talked about this last episode. Erin, this is not salad fingers. I know, but you said... We're not talking about rusty spoons. And the way they feel on my fingers. I feel extremely awkward. (laughs) I'm going to do this podcast by myself. No, I don't do scary very well. You should know, with playing Phasmophobia. Do you remember the sleep, Russian sleep experiment, though? Yeah. Oh, yeah, I do. I did not like yeah, reading it's... that. Oh, creepy pasta. I just heard salad yeah. fingers, and I don't know why. What the <laughs> No, it's a creepy pasta. Yeah, I read it. I could not sleep for a month. So if it's anything like that, I'm not reading it. And you can't make me. Okay. Well, that's what I want to read. <laughs> well, you're a little bit fucked up. We all agreed on that. <laughs> Just kidding, Hope. Well, um, any last words, Juniper? Sorry, keep going. I was just going to end it. Uh, no. <laughs> okay, so I guess we'll just talk See you guys next time then. Goodbye. Correct. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to Who Wrote This Shit. Our cover art is done by our very own Juniper Harvey Morose. Intro and outro music by Riley Tennyson. Editing by Aaron Poole and Hope Harvey Morose. You can follow us on Instagram under girlsbook3. If you have book recommendations, please feel free to email us at girlsbook3 at gmail.com. If you like the show, please rate, review, and share it. Episodes will also be uploaded to our website.